Well, hello again. This is Shane and this is Heartlines. Now, this is episode 20 and I have a very special guest on the line. His name is Alex Petty. Hello, Alex. How are you? Hello, Shane. Not too bad. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Well, I know you through comedy circles, but tell the listeners a bit about you, Alex. Um, yeah, I, I run Laughing Horse uh, Comedy, uh, which, which runs comedy around the UK. And as, as part of that, uh, we get involved in the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, running the Free Festival. Yeah. Um, which is our main event each year, as well as a few other festivals around the world. I'm I'm from uh, London and still mm-hmm. pretty much based around there. We're not doing the festivals, so uh, pretty much uh, stuck there at the moment. Now, how did you become a comedy promoter and also you're a director and producer? You're a man of many talents. How did you how did you, record, <laughs> how did you get involved in all of this? Uh, com- completely by accident. Um, I, I used to be, before doing this, I used to work in IT. Um, okay. So it was quite a big, big jump. Um, really, I had a, a friend of mine uh, that wanted to start doing open spots, and we both were visiting a, a local comedy club quite regularly. Um, so he sort of started getting up and doing comedy. Uh-huh. Um, and then we decided, let's try and run a comedy club together. That was back in 99, beginning of 99. Um, we sort of realized that we didn't know what we were doing. So we got together with a couple of other guys that were running uh, open mic gigs at the time. Um, and really started from there, running our own open mic night and, and learned as we went along and, and made all the mistakes and gradually grew up, uh, went, went from there, from one club to another. And then yeah. on top of that, and started visiting, visiting Edinburgh. And that's all the festival started. Your partner you're talking, is, his name is Kevin McCarran. Is he a comedian himself? Yeah, he's, he's actually retired from doing it now, but he okay. was a partner of Laughing Horse for, yeah, up until a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, he was, he's a, he, he was a comedian uh, as well as a promoter. He was someone that was quite comfortable wearing both hats. Yeah. Um, but he's uh, decided to, uh, to, to retire from uh, both his day job and the comedy job and uh, put his feet up down on the beach in Worthing at the moment. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, good stuff. Now, so you said you've done uh, IT. That must be a world away from uh, promoting comedy. You know, it's a very, um, a lot of comedians I find would prefer to do the com- comedy, don't want to do the promoting because the promoting can be a headache at the best of times trying to like get like, you know, people to come and perform the gigs and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think I look, I look at it from a different diff, different angle. That, okay. Um, I, I, I think the people getting up on stage must be a bit crazy to do that, to <laughs> put themselves up in front of stage and all the stress I see going through, despite the fact that I love watching and, and being part of comedy. Um, my, my skills are definitely in the organising, the admin side. And yeah. much like I think many people um, decide to, to give up the day job or do some comedy uh, at the same time as the day job, I was getting involved in the comedy scene and enjoying that because it was so different from from working in a bank and doing IT work, which is what I was doing. So you still do IT, but it's mainly in the comedy kind of uh, kind of entertainment kind of field, is it? <laughs> yes, it's, it's switched around now. That the, the comedy and the promoting and the festivals is the main job, but there's uh, quite a complex website and things that I'm involved with um, organising for it. So the, the IT skills are still there. Oh, um, and another uh, a performer, Craig Shainak, one of the guys we met through the Fringe, Okay. Uh, in fairness, ninety-five percent of it is Craig, um, but he's a, a sort of a Hollywood actor and comedian that also does websites and things. So, uh, yeah, I'm still keeping the handy with the IT. Uh, but uh, as technology's changed, uh, I, I bow to the expertise of but Craig, who's our main website man. As a comedy promoter, you, you you don't have much performance background yourself. You just you just like the aspect of kind of managing and running the the different events and like fringe festivals stuff like that. That's right. Yeah, I've, I've never had the desire to get on stage. I'll do some of the sort of DJing and, and offstage music and announcements and things like that. But that's as close as I get to any any form of performance. Um, I quite like to stay in the background and doing all the offstage stuff. So you with the Laughing Horse and Free Festival. Now, the Laughing Horse, you 
so you surround yourself with lots of people, experts in their field, and then you do all the admin, or do you have a hands-on approach on the, on the comedy clubs and, and the, the festivals? Oh, yeah, no, I'm, ve- I'm very much hands-on in, in sort of rigging the venues. I've, you know, I've, I think yeah. it's much like learning how to run a comedy club, learn how to do the tech side of it, lights and yeah. stuff like that. So I'm very hands-on with the practical side of it. And then it's, it's more experts coming in, the people doing the performance, the people yeah. we trust to, yeah. to, to run some of the nights um, and do, you know, do the comparing, having a, having, a, having a great compare that can run the show. Yeah. Um, I think it's been through through watching comedy for so long. You you, you obviously know uh, what's good, what's bad, what goes into a show. So hopefully, well, hopefully uh, over the last twenty years, I've learned that skill. I actually done a show. Well, I actually I used to do comedy from about two thousand thirteen to the end of two thousand fifteen. I think I actually done my my show in two thousand fourteen at the Free Festival. Um, oh, excellent! Which, which venue? Which show were you in there? Who were you with? Uh, I was in the newsroom. I think it was you know over Leith. In, in Edinburgh yeah yeah no, very well yeah it was it was a late one it was uh but it was my first time doing it, it was a nice it was a good experience you know yourself as you you learn as you go and I haven't been back uh since but it's it's such an experience to go and do a show and and see what it's like on the ground season pros doing their shows there and then and you're just like trying to learn the craft and do a show or come up with a show absolutely yeah absolutely there's 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 nothing like for anyone involved in the arts from from uh, you know comedians through to actors through to people that are doing the off stage and yeah the organizing and things like me there's there's no better place in the world to be for, for 25 yeah. days in august um you're you're just there you're, you're crammed in with all the people that you know all the yeah. professionals that are there that are the great acts, the new acts, um, and and everyone's there is like-minded and wanting to get, wanting to improve and and further their careers and, and learn about the craft. It's a it's a fantastic place to be. Yeah, totally. Now, what was your first fringe experience? What was it like? What year was it? Uh, what was it like uh, when you went up for your first fringe experience? First first year I went up. Well, the first year I really went up more as an audience member myself and and Kevin McCarran, uh, yeah. who we spoke about earlier that used to run Laughing Horse. We we mm. went up there just to check it out as promoters. So we pretty much did what so many audience people will do: is get a get a bit of paper and a spreadsheet ready and and book in to see loads of different shows. Yeah, uh, and just just consume as much as we could. Um, and and pretty much between the clubbing and and drinking and, and going out to shows and everything else, it was all stuffed into pretty much twenty four hours a day. It's 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 easy to see why it is so addictive. Um, mm. And it was through that pretty much it was. This is this is definitely something we want to do, and it's also it would be something great for laughing horse to be involved with. Yeah. And then we were thinking using the fringe, much like performers, to promote laughing horse as a as a comedy club. Yeah, um, it's only several years down the line it sort of turned around that the, the actual the festival venue management and things like that became such a big part of what we do now yeah well i mean what was there a moment in time where you thought like i want to do this myself i want to like bring uh, my own promotion for was there a year when you decided this is a time for me to to bring my kind of uh, promotion to the fringe because uh you talked about pbh uh, over the years you know like peter buckley hill I, I i guess he's not your biggest fan you're not his biggest fan what do you think about that <laughs> i i think that's fair to say i mean it's one of those things that there's a lot of nonsense put out about it and yeah we we do things our way he does things his way that's yeah. why we look at it and then the rest is just um stuff in the background and people shouting we we worked with him for a couple of years and, yeah. and from our side it realized that it was something wasn't going to work so we wanted to do our own thing yeah. but it was it, it was seeing the free shows that he did and, and other free stuff up there and 
while that made us think let's let's give this a let's give it a pump doing a free festival rather than the traditional route we we looked at venues very much in the same way as anyone else going up to edinburgh yeah. um, did and back in what would have been 2001 two, three, that era just before we started pretty much there was only one route to do edinburgh for performers and that was to pay high rental fees, do a paid show, struggle with low audiences. There wasn't really the option to do free shows. Um, but we got into the free shows by going to the, the, the show that PBH ran them, which was himself um, throwing on a load of comedians. Yeah. Um, and this, this is great. This is, a, this is something that's completely different. It's a full room, unlike all the rooms in Edinburgh, which have got half a dozen people in. Mm. Um, got some atmosphere and it's great. But didn't really think of it until a, a, an option to came, came up to put some shows on in the same place as him. Uh, a, a great place. Uh, a postal union club run by a lady called Lindsay's, which was the first venue. So to put some shows on together. And we, we did in, what is it, 2004? Um, and just to give it and go and see what it was like in a, a postal union club. Um, pretty much, you remember the newsroom, just keep walking down Leith Walk quite yeah. a bit further. Yeah. And it was down there. Um, so okay. It was a little bit off piste, shall we say. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, yeah, it was great. It, it, pro it proved the concept was, was doable and workable. Yeah. Um, and then it really grew from there. We started to, the, the, the following year, um, got a load of friends which were acts off the comedy circuit of ours mm. to get involved and say look do you want to give this a pump it sort of works let's see what happens um and the, the idea gestated and grew from there yeah and i guess when you started out okay you started out promoting and was what, what was the market like for promotion when you started out uh, comedy in like the late nineties, what was the market like for? <laughs> I, I think the um, the market there, there was certain, there was a lot less comedy around. Okay. Um, it was a lot easier. There it was a lot more. Again, it's the more traditional promoting of of flyering on the street and getting your listings in the newspaper. Yeah, um, could be very successful at filling up a room in the West End um, yeah. or other places. Um, that's obviously changed a lot. Where the the, the whole scene in London has changed. Um, there's a lot less paper prints um you're going to the digital advertising and things like that so it's a lot tough to get people in. and there's a lot more comedy around um yeah the sort of the middle ground of shows that we used to run which used to be the mixture of headliners a couple of support acts and a few new at nights and what we always used to like to do is try and progress the acts through um it's got very fragmented now particularly in london and a split between open mic and um circuit gigs which which tend to put more of the professional comedians on um yeah. So it's, it's become a lot more difficult to sort of beat, beat that middle ground and push acts through. But there's still a load of great stuff out there and clubs that you can find. And we, we, we certainly do a lot less of that now. And, and our main thing is the comedy festivals. Okay, so you do the you do the Edinburgh Fringe, you do the Brighton Fringe, you also over in Australia as well. How did that come about? That's right. That came about, that, that, that came about when I, I got finally made redundant from the day job. Okay. Um, and I'd heard several of the acts that were friends of mine had started going out to Melbourne Comedy Festival for a number of years. Um, and, and after st starting doing Edinburgh, that was a great festival. Brighton Fringe, that was a great festival, enjoyed it. Um, thought, let's, let's get out and see what all these people are in, enjoying themselves out there um, and doing. Um, so went over, uh, and actually Nick Coppin, who still does a lot of stuff with me in, in Australia and the UK, um, and we worked together on a lot of shows, mm -hmm. along with a number of, number of other acts, went out there 
and thought this is a great place to be. It's it's January, February, March. You're you're in the sunshine. You've got a, a festival that's um, at that point. I just went to Adelaide, but it's it's grown to Perth and Melbourne Comedy Festival as well. But they're great festivals. They're good to be part of, yeah. and you you can go out there and put shows on um, and uh, progress yourself as be it as a business, be it as a promoter, be it as just somebody who wants to be at a festival and, and enjoy the whole atmosphere of being there. It must be quite different from the Fringe. Like I, I've never been to like Brighton Fringe or or uh, any, or even over to Australia Fringe. Like it must be is a lot different. Is it just bars like or like yeah. bars and clubs? Every every, um, every every Fringe has got its own personality. Yeah. Everyone's different. I mean, there's there's, there's there's nothing like Edinburgh in the world just for the volume, the size of it and the fact that there's it's, it's something about the geography of Edinburgh. Edinburgh's such a great city to be in yeah. um, and everything is just shoved into such a ridiculously small area. Um, right it's a, it's a lot smaller. It's a great place to be. You're by the beach. The atmosphere is good. There's a party atmosphere anyway. Smaller, spread out with a lot of little venues. Adelaide, which is the second, the second biggest fringe in the world, and that's got a lot more of a feeling of Edinburgh. That's that's that put into one corner of the city. Um, there's two or three larger venues where people sort of hang around the equipment peasants and things like that. But then a lot of smaller venues around with also really quite based in the city centre. Yeah. Um, so that feels like a little mini Edinburgh uh, with the bonus of it not raining. Yeah. For four weeks. It's like yeah. 30 degree heat, 35 degree heat, is it? It's very hot over there, is it? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> Usually when we're out there, which is mid-Feb to mid-March, 35 is probably a cooler day. <laughs> I, 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 I can only handle 25 on a good day. I, I, my, my skin would like burn, you know? I'm not used to that kind of warmth, you know? <laughs> whenever you're looking for, whenever so, someone like uh, is looking to perform a show with a laughing horse, do you want them to to sign up and what like prepared or does it matter? Is it more about having fun like with, with the show or is it about having a polished show going to the festival? What do you feel? It's not, it's not necessarily having a polished show, but it's it's having a, a, a polished idea of your your plan and what you want to do. I think um, you've definitely got to be prepared, um, yeah. particularly for Edinburgh. It's it's a long process. So we we start applications usually at the end of December, beginning of January. Yeah. Um, and people give us an application. Now, there's a lot of apps that we'll know, people we've met and people we've already started talking to. But for someone coming in, it's, it's a great indication on an application form that you've got ideas about what you want to do with your show and how you're going to market it and what you're going to plan and uh, how it's all going to come together. Now, we're not necessarily looking all the time for, you know, five star top of the range acts. It's also the interesting ideas. Yeah. Um, or things that stand out or something that makes your show different from every other show at the Fringe. And also stuff that looks experimental, looks interesting and looks fun to make a well-rounded programme. We, we've usually got around 400 shows, so you've got to try and make the programme different from every other show to make it a nice, well-rounded programme to keep people interested in what you're doing. I actually used to live in Edinburgh, so when I was doing the show, I wasn't coming up from Nottingham, Leicester, London. I was uh-huh. literally like walking. I didn't have to leave like work per se i my show was late at night so i just i i just left work and went to the show i didn't have to leave like a job for three weeks to come and and try to right, my okay, trade yeah. you know but um because that that's where i find and people I've, I've found that, that have a completely different ex- fringe experience from the people who do travel up yeah myself the acts that travel into any of these festivals just pretty much turn off the rest of the world and yeah. for that month all that matters is edinburgh 
um, I'd find it very difficult doing what you're doing, having to do right. I've done, I've done my show. I've done this, and then I have to go back to a day job and, and yeah. completely break out of that fringe bubble. How, no. how did you, how did you find that? Well, the thing is, I I asked the question about you know should you have a polished show, and to be honest, I didn't even have a polished idea. Like I I basically my show was called a Scotsman and an Irishman because I was the Irishman, he was a Scotsman, and I thought I I was going to research about like you know funny things the Irish have invented versus the Scottish have invented, but he didn't he didn't he didn't listen to uh, to that uh, advice, so he just went up with his own fifteen minutes, and I jumped up after him, and I was okay. just. I died in my hole. I was like, oh, I was like, oh my goodness. Because he, like, he just wanted to do his set, make it as polished as possible. And we were just basically two-hander. We weren't, but we weren't connected. It's not like we were like, doing a show okay. together. You know, we were on, on the bill together, but it, we just didn't have cohesion. We got better as it went on. Like well, I, had I, a mo- yeah. I had a moment where a guy got up, you know, because you get that. And a guy walked got up out of his chair and goes, Life's too short, and just walked out, and it's just it's it's crushing, you know. You feel like, my goodness, is it worth this? But eventually, it got better. But you have to you have to be persistent, like anything in life. You have to be persistent and don't give up. And we didn't. We done two. We done two and a half weeks. Two and a half weeks run, and it was a good experience. I do it again, but uh, again, it's you need. I think you need a nugget or a concept. I didn't. I I didn't have any idea. I was just like, I'm gonna do a show. I'm at the fringe. Come on, everyone wants this is the dream, and then. It was a nightmare for a bit, but it, it got better. Oh, absolutely. And I think, again, as, as you've, you've gone up and you've experienced it mm. and you've learned from it that this yeah. is what you need to build it next time. Totally. Um, you, you've learned how, what you need to do to put into working with someone else in, the, in a two-hander and things yeah. like that. And yeah, there's so many people. I mean, there's 4,000 shows every year. You wouldn't have been the only person that year that <laughs> makes mistakes along the way. Um, the, the good thing is that clearly you've, you've, you've analysed it and learned from it yeah. um, so that if you do do it again, you, you go in from a, a, a slightly different angle with that experience. There will be a lot of people that would just go, ah, oh, the, the audience were rubbish. That's their fault. Um, I'm, I'm never doing this again. I'm a genius. I don't need the fringe. <laughs> no, I, I know better. I, I, I've, I've had many, uh, many a gig. You like, I, I've had some lovely gigs like in London and I've had some spag gigs in London. You know, London, it's it, like you go to a gig and you might have 20 people on the bill for an open, yeah. open mic and you're just like, just try the material. If something works, write it down, keep it and move on, you know. But it's been a while yeah. since I performed stand-up and I want to get back into it. I use comedy in everyday life. I used to work on a cruise ship, so I used to be a comedy club host. And I always just, okay. yeah, so I tell jokes and all and I worked the room and, I manage the room. I'll talk about the room very shortly because I want to talk about your website very shortly. Yeah. Now, it can be done. But using using yeah. comedy in, in, in real life is, is, is really worthwhile. We, one of the things we do, and one of the guys that um, is a comedian runs comedy courses with us, and a lot of that, um, as well as people starting comedy, it's people coming in and being able to use comedy and the writing skills in yeah. presentations, in dealing with people. Um, Kevin used to do a lot of this in the university background, which he worked in as well for lecturers to be more approachable by students rather than the, the stuffy old university lecture that's quite a sort of the, 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 sort of the image that people see. So I think, yeah, the, the skills and the art of comedy can be brought so much into uh, real life situations and other work areas. I, I think it's really like there's nothing, there's nothing better than getting stage experience. I, I feel a lot more confident in myself because I've been like in a role where I'm constantly engaging people and, and like yeah. Mick, Mick Ferry was talking about last week, he, he was saying that he wasn't always the outgoing character, but you know, you learn, you learn to, 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 to deal with the public and then, and, 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 and work on that skill and improve that because 
if you're hosting a show, you're going to have to dip in there with the crowd, dip in there with the crowd and, yeah. and, 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 and see what the audience is like. And then the, you'll know where the audience is kind of up for it or not up for it or, or, or really up for it. You know, you, you can read the audience and it, it, you can obviously, you, you can even g- gain some material through the audience. You might even pick up a joke or two just, just because, oh, you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's very good. Now, the Laughing Horse, I love the name. Where did the name come from, the Laughing Horse comedy? Um, it was it was very very literal. Uh, the, the the pub that we started in was the Black Horse. Okay. Um, so it was going to be their regular comedy club, which was the Laughing Horse. We went through a few other different ideas and names. Um, it was a very dodgy pun. The guy that used to compare it um, was was you're going to laugh and chill your horse. Um, oh, okay, you, yeah. You, you can see why we dropped that very quickly. Um, but yeah, it just stuck. We went when we started looking at our second comedy club, we were going to look at different names, but the name just stuck. Um, and it's still there, still, still the same scribbled logo that was uh drawn uh 20 years ago, uh, being used. Um, but yeah, we like it, it sort of fits and it's become a nice name for us. But it's become a name because because of the work you put into it, you know. I'd say I'm kind of guessing here, but imagine whenever, like, uh, you know, even an act comes and performs for you they'll come and perform because you're professional and they know what they're getting. They want to perform for you because you put the work in, you basically you make sure everything is sorted out. And the reason why I say that, because on your website, your website, there's so much going on, on your website. It's, I feel it's like the Swiss army knife of comedy. You know, there's so much, there's like, <laughs> there's comedy courses, there's venue hire, there's, there's uh you know, get, find a comedian. You just, you just really think of everything, you know? Yeah, cool? no, it's kind of, I think yeah. it's just been over the years that we that, that we just learned that that being involved in lots of different areas works quite well. And yeah, uh, yeah we, we can book comedy shows and book comedians on that. We run our own shows, involved with festivals, there's the courses, there's, there's so much going on from, from myself and everyone running things uh, that you're not doing the same thing every day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, glad it's glad glad it sounds like people that like that that that, that concept way of doing things. Oh, I think they do. I mean, you're you're also involved. You're also involved in the new act competition that gave a lot of comedians who are you know household names uh, a springboard to success, like Russell Kane and uh, Greg Davies, guys like this. You know, th- these are important things. Comedy competitions can bring you so far, but they they can open doors. You know, they can give uh, comedians chances to to flourish. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's good. It's it's very good. It just it just highlights people, and I think yeah. you're, you're you're always it's it's never going to get you you're, you're going to get through as good comedians. And if the industry are coming along to support the, the the finals and the semi-finals, even if you don't win the competition, you'll get through if you've got the talent. But, but winning a competition or getting in the you know the top three somewhere really can give a, a good comedian a boost and yeah. really get people through the comedy circuit a little bit quicker. Um, I think talents deserve it. Comedy is very much a meritocracy. Um, the, the the good stuff does rise to the top. Yeah. Um, it's just sometimes difficult for the good stuff to get in front of the right people and competitions and indeed fringe festivals are being in front of awards panels and things like that. They can, can really help with people's careers. Some some reviewers might just go to com- other comedians versus other. Some comedians, they might choose to watch them versus other people. No, I'm not sure. I mean, so it, it really it really depends. I always find I always find reviewers just have already got a list of who they sort of like, and I oh, okay. gravitate yeah, yeah. towards that that yeah. type of act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's one of those things. It's, it's, it's always you got to find a right right reviewer. Like the reviewer has to find the right comedian. Um, I want to talk about your website again because one thing I found very interesting was the personal information, as in talking about you know how to use the mic set lengths because uh-huh. i know some comedy clubs for example that like if you don't if you just don't stick to your tight five minutes they'll just 
music you off. Literally, they'll play music as you're finishing your set. So you might even get your punchline in. So you are you very strict on, on on those kind of things like this, making sure you keep tight with your sets, or do you have some leeway there? In in general, it's 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 we we certainly tend to be more strict with these things at fringe festivals because whether it's our own venues or if you're in another venue, you tend to have that hour time slot. Yeah. Um, with a very short turnaround. So you've got to get people in and out. So that's, that does lead to things being a little bit more panicked. Um, when you're running a comedy club, um, you know, if you've got a night professional acts and people run a bit longer, it's usually quite good. You don't want the show to run too long because it can exhaust the audience if people are running on far too long. But generally speaking, there's a lot of leeway. For things like new act competitions and new act nights, it does become a little bit more important purely for the fact that you've got so many acts on that if people start to overrun, again, the night can really stretch out and, and that, that, that pushes the uh, <laughs> limits of the audience to how long they can sit around. But you know, a, new, a new act competition where you might have 10 or 12 different people on, um, you do need to keep people to time. But it's one of those things, I, I don't agree with the sort of opening the trap door method. It's, it's letting, them, let, letting them know and encourage them off stage uh, rather than the trap door and the shotgun and uh, any other devices you've got. <laughs> we, used to, we used to have a timer. We used to have a little um, a stopwatch above the stage. Yeah. but it no. never actually worked so like you'd have a stopwatch <laughs> and you'd like do like a little two minutes countdown and then know when it'll start flashing the lights but uh you know all you need to do is just you know maybe flash a light or two and they'll come yeah, off little, you know? uh, red, red, red light at the back of the room you yeah know, let people know they've got a minute left or so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, another flash flash of the light when it's it's time up and, and maybe five minutes later that's when you start throwing the light at them yeah 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 just just turn the light off completely you're finished yeah. get off will you <laughs> Now, um, it doesn't happen that often. People generally get the message if if, if they if they know what's sort of expected. Yeah, you if you have a, like a, a keep it tight five or fifteen or whatever. Or I mean, yeah. some some guys. We used to have a guy on, on the ship. I tell you, he used to run me over so much. He'd run me over 10, 15 minutes, and he'd come off very calm about it. But like, he, you have to have a certain professionalism about yourself. You know, you, okay, you're killing it on stage, yeah. but come on, man, get off the stage. You know, like you know, we have to close off. We have to set. You know. Take take the banners and stuff. Yeah, like your, back, to... your backdrop, your banner, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of work to do at the end of the night, and exactly. it's also being considerate for the audience that yeah, you know, exactly. particularly for a week midweek gig, that there are last trains home. People do have to go out for work. And, yeah. Um. They they they're not going to enjoy the night as well. Yeah. Um. If they're thinking they've got to get to the station in five minutes, they've got to run, or they might have to leave before the end of the headline because the night's overrun so long. Yeah. Exactly. Um, like a well-oiled machine to make sure everything's kind of run on time and, and everyone's happy, you know? That's it. And again, there's the bar as well that run it that are often it for the drinks. There's so many people involved in a night that wants to get something out of it, be it the comedians that want to perform, get paid, get the experience, um, the audience that want a great night, the bar that wants it to run well, the promoters to run it well. And it's just about developing, getting that balance right so everyone is happy by the end of it. Um, and if, if, if it goes too far in one direction, that's when problems start. Yeah. Also, the seating arrangement. I love. I love the little uh, line about feng shui. I like seating arrangements because but people tend to move seats around in, in the comedy club sometimes. Or do you find is they sit? Right Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Sometimes it is like uh, if you, people walk in and it's like uh, someone who uh, uh, days out in from a branch of Pickford's removals. Uh, the amount of furniture that starts moving around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course, everyone wants to sit in the back row as well, as far away from the stage if they're the first ones in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's definitely a degree of uh, audience management. Although hopefully, uh, when when comedy clubs do finally come back, uh, we will have that problem as opposed to all the audience having to sit half a mile apart. 
uh, in an open field somewhere. Sorry, there's there's lots going on. You know, there's like I seen it up in Scotland, for example, they have uh, like little trucks. Even in London, they have like little kind of yeah. like a drive-in movie thing going on. How yeah. is Laughing Horse adapting? Are you doing anything like that, or or have you got we we we've, we've got we've gone online. Uh, I think the um, we, we've gone online and we're starting to look at some of the outdoor gigs. But I think both of those methods will are there for as long as well as the drive-ins. They're, they're they're things that will be there as long as the restrictions uh, exist. Uh, yeah. At some point, things are going to get back into comedy clubs. I yeah. I think the online the streaming, if it's done well, can be great. And I think that there's always going to be that option. To, to run a live gig and also stream it for a bigger audience. Yeah. Um, we, we've done, we've, we've moved our comedy courses online and they work very well. Um, we're starting to talk to venues about doing some outdoor stuff. Um, the driving gigs, I think, is definitely one thing that is, is, is there and will last for the period of while it's necessary while people are out there because I think that's a very strange setup with sitting in a car. You're quite disjointed, we're very disjointed from the act. Um, the act you're, you're you're a long way away and it's, it's difficult to see the audience reaction but it's one thing where i think people are crave craving for entertainment and something live that yeah. happen at the moment but then that will switch back but then those, those the guys running those gigs um will then, then probably end up going back into their comedy clubs in a couple of months time when when hopefully it's all open yeah um, so i think yeah, things 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 will still change and things will still be around um it's always interesting now that, that when speaking to comedians about doing some of the outdoor gigs uh, which if you'd had the conversation six months ago, they'd pretty much say it was hell on toast, the whole idea of <laughs> standing uh, in, yeah. at the end of someone's garden with people spread out and <laughs> trying to put the comedy on there, where everyone now is like, yes, I just want to, I want to get up and perform and do something. Yeah. Um, which I'm the same as a promoter. I just want to get out there and run something again. Yeah. Because it's now starting to feel like it was it's something that someone else used to do. It was so long ago. Uh, it's starting yeah, you have <laughs> in the to... middle of March such a long time ago. So... You have to relearn that skill again. Oh, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> What's the comedy club look like? You know, I, I, see, <laughs> I, I see a lot of guys, I see a lot of uh, comedy clubs in the UK are doing the, the virtual kind of, you know, on the stage comedians there and they have a camera or a tripod, they're recording it and putting it on YouTube yeah. or whatever. That's great. But again, comedy needs an audience. And I find it like does, yeah. musicians can easily like perform in Instagram, but comedians need an audience. It's, it's very visceral. You need that kind of feedback. It, it's yeah. very narcissistic by nature. We need to be loved. You know? Oh, they need to be loved. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. No, the whole, the whole thing about comedy is being packed into a room, uh, yeah. close up with a comedian, building that atmosphere. So doing it in any other medium, it's difficult. It's just really a thing of, it's, it's really about compromise at the yeah. moment. Um, totally. We've certainly run a lot of our gigs through uh, video conferencing, um, Zoom, obviously, Zoom. and we yeah, also yeah. use WebEx as well, which is effectively the same thing. But at least that way you can have some people in there. And uh, we found as long as, as, as me with the producer hat on um, can be reasonably heavy handed with some people with the mute button, you can get a reasonable amount of audience interaction and feedback. Um, while you're performing, you can see people, you can see yeah. the laughter, hear some clapping. It's never going to be like a comedy club, but as no. as a medium that's, that's that that can be used at the moment, um, it works quite well. And that other we're, we're running most of our free festival shows this summer online like that, um, as well as with a bit of streaming as well. That's good because it, it does actually because they are trying material. Uh, you can get a, a reaction, even though it's only 50 people or whatever. You get a reaction yeah. and you can go, oh, that's okay, that might work. And you might yes. try it in yeah. a comedy club. It may work or may not work. Who knows? Now, speaking of, we're going to go back to the fringe because this is why we're here. Uh, 
so you said virtually you've got a few gigs coming up for the your free festival for the fringe when are they starting what's the what's the absolutely. plan absolutely yeah um that that kicks off uh this friday uh 7th of august and runs through to the 30th um and apart from um if i remember my days right apart from tuesday nights we've got stuff on every single night going right the way through that month um it's clearly not a program as big as we would have had in edinburgh but we've got uh it's about 20 different shows um a lot of one-offs some are sort of recurring through the month um to give a a, a nice sort of mix of mix of programs for people to come along and see some of the acts that, that should have been standing in edinburgh right at yeah. this moment yeah um so yes yeah, so it's all, all online at freefestival.co.uk through the month Cool. That's great. Yeah, no, Alex, uh, lovely. I, I'm going to put that on the link when this goes and this goes up and it's live and you can have a listen. Fantastic. And Alex, I really appreciate you coming on and you're a lovely guy. Uh, I, I don't That's know great. you. Thank you. Yeah, you too. It's I been great to have a chat. It's always, I literally always just good to chat you, about yeah. comedy with anyone. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, and uh, take it easy. And ho- I hope you get back on your feet soon. I hope uh, hope uh, comedy, live comedy comes back to the UK and, and the world over uh, very shortly. Yeah. It, it will do. It's just a matter of time. I think it's now just time of buying the time and yeah. uh, everyone getting through this, um, keeping everyone as, as healthy as possible. It's much better that we're all uh, either locked down or keeping distant at the moment until things get back to normal before rushing it too 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 much. So yeah, let's all get let's all let's all get uh, well again uh, and get back safely and be uh, enjoying the festivals next year um, how they should be enjoyed. Uh, yeah. knee, knee, knee deep in uh, bodies on the cow gate in Edinburgh <laughs> uh, in the rain. <laughs> oh, all sorts. You got like you got like performers, so like fire flamethrowers and uh, magicians and yeah. worker comedians exactly. and uh, students butchering Shakespeare. Oh, there's all sorts going on. Absolutely, yeah. Everything flying off of the Royal Mile. Yeah, <laughs> people drama students flayed across the ground trying to fly you for some production that's on at nine o'clock in the morning uh, at a venue halfway to glasgow yeah the full the full fringe experience that they won't be hung over for the next day yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right alex uh, take it easy and uh, thanks for coming on uh, i'll talk soon right thanks that's great great to chat all, all right, right take it easy see you so yes that was alex petty a lovely man indeed he's also the owner of laughing horse comedy club and also free festival and he's a lot going on with this edinburgh fringe even though it's not going on he has some virtual gigs going on and i'll put a link up on this episode now guys i hope you enjoyed this episode it's episode 20 yes i'm 20 in already and my name is shane if you did like what you heard guys please like comment share subscribe as a small podcaster every follower or every comment and share counts remember guys you're always welcome here on heartlines take it easy and bye bye